Hello, and welcome to the Sporting Chance Podcast. I'm Matt Maritea. I'm going to be your host. This is a podcast that's all about talking sports and having a beer or maybe two. So, thank you for stopping by, and without further ado, let's get to it. Hello, hello. Uh, Welcome to the Sporting Chance Podcast. Before we get into anything, it's just going to be my, uh, well, it's not daily, it's not annual, it's my usual reminder to use my code over at Lanafee.com. It's Maritea, it's really simple uh, to understand, and Lanafee as a company is really simple as well. They just want to make quality workout gear uh, along with some of the best uh, it's quality workout gear, right? It's good performance attire. It's going to fit great. Uh, it's going to look great. You're going to be able to wear it whenever you feel like, whether it is to the gym, uh, whether it's to a casual coffee date. You're not going to look out of place. You're not going to feel awkward. High-quality stuff, uh, lanyards, shaker bottles, notebooks, you name it. Just go over there, use my code Maritea, M-A-R-A-T-E-A, and you will have plenty to choose from. Helps out me, helps you out. Uh, Yeah, there we go. I'm just trying to help you all on your fitness journeys through uh, through this new year. As we've all tried to turn over new leaves, try to create some resolutions, uh, mine is to be better at podcasting, uh, or at least more consistent. I don't know if I can get better. Um, not that I'm saying I'm as good as it gets. I think maybe I might be as good as I get. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I just vow to be more consistent, try to do this more often. And I have a lot to talk about, so I'm going to jump right in fresh off of a Flyers win. Uh, I'm really jazzed up about their performance and the way they were able to handle uh, come back from behind to blow the lead to end up winning in overtime against the St. Louis Blues. And they've had a recently actually pretty successful stretch of hockey. And this is encouraging. Uh, so over the last four games, they've played basically the best four teams in the league. They played the hottest team in the league, Tampa Bay who might also be the most threatening offensively, right? They've played uh, the Capitals, the Bruins, and the St. Louis Blues. Capitals and Blues uh, both pretty much tied for best team in the league right now. For the President's Trophy, they have the most points. And the Bruins have been absolutely dominant, and they have uh, one of the best top lines, or best top-end talents in David Pasenak, you know, uh, Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, you can't avoid that unit. They're fantastic. And, yeah, so they lost to Tampa, but only one nothing. So, you know, against an offensive force like that, that's we'll take it. Okay, They were able to beat Washington somehow. They were able to beat Boston 6-5. Uh, to five. They won in a shootout. We've all seen it now. Marchand uh, overskates the puck. Uh, you know, probably lost it with his nose, uh, trying to look down at at it. Uh, and then, tonight, they're able to beat 
the Blues, 4-3 in overtime. Jake Voracek scores off a beautiful toe-drag hezzy move, right? The hesitation uh, drew Bennington out of his net, fired it around the blocker side. Fantastic. Now, they had some defensive lapses, specifically Phil Myers and Travis Sanheim. Sanheim lost contain on Ryan O'Reilly, uh, which led to a goal. And he also was out of position, leaving the middle wide open, which also subsequently Phil Myers left open on two occasions. He dove behind the net on a penalty kill uh, to try to get at a guy, which is a huge no-no, leaving slot wide open. Provorov went into the corner with him too, so another mistake there. And again, Myers chased a guy behind the net, leaving the middle wide open. Sanheim was nowhere to be found in coverage. So there we go. Uh, So two defensive lapses there. But Brian Elliott, he got off the schneid, which is nice. Uh, They're dealing with major injuries right now. Uh, Carter Hart out for probably like three weeks, maybe a week or two. We don't know. It's one of those tweaked to lower body incidences, a strained abdominal. He'd been playing a lot. The All-Star break is coming up, so it's the best possible time to get injured. Not that there's ever an ideal time, but it's okay. We can deal with that for the time being. Uh, Shane Goss' bear is out a couple weeks. He's having surgery soon. Uh, That hasn't... He's had a very bad season you know, maybe he's been having the knee bother him this whole time. One can only hope that when he comes back from getting everything scoped, uh, he's a different player and his skating ability returns. Because you know, other than that, he hasn't been able to get shots on net. Uh, doesn't defend particularly well, as we all know. So really, uh, let's hope that this is what a lingering problem was uh, so we can get back to him being as good as he can be. But then again, he may have just maxed it all out, uh, which I believe. But, you know, I want to be optimistic. I want to be hopeful. Flyers are in a wild card spot right now. Okay, they got 56 points. They are 25, 16, 6. Uh, You know, uh, they also, Justin Braun looks like he's coming back soon. So that'll be a a welcome addition. Um, You know, they have to have Alex Lyon up right now. You've got Farabee and Frost marinating the AHL where they likely should be. Uh, Chris Stewart's been put on waivers. He's probably going to get sent to the minors. We'll see how that uh, goes because they have to bury that salary because they have to sort of just deal with the young guys right now. And they are absolutely awful on the road. The Flyers' road splits this year is, I mean, it's, it's pretty brutal. Uh, I'm trying to look it up right now. It is, uh, it's, it's not good. Uh, say what you will, but um, no, here standings. Uh, their road split right now. They're ten, thirteen, and two, right? So basically, they're ten and fifteen, and and they're five and five in a shootout, which is somehow amazing. And they're four, five, and one in their last ten, but they're hanging on, right? They're tied fifty-six points with Carolina for that wild card position, uh, so they're first and second. They've played one more game, so they're a little bit behind, technically. But the Islanders, sixty points—that's striking distance. 
but Columbus is coming up hot against them, 54. Florida, 53, again, right there. Even Buffalo is at 49. They're within striking distance. Toronto is at 56 points. So if Toronto and Florida or Buffalo ever start trading spots, things are going to get really dicey because the Flyers are going to be in a 4-5 team race unless they can sort of vault ahead of Carolina and somehow end up where the Islanders are or just be in between the two. They've got to distance themselves from this second wild card uh, position, if you will. But right now the team is playing well enough to be encouraged. Nobody's really breaking away uh, with anything right now. Couturier is leading the team with 41 points. He's been really good in the offensive zone in terms of becoming a really good distributor. Uh, he's still not an adept goal scorer. Uh, you know, and nobody's going to be a point of game player uh, this year. Giroux, thirty-two points. He's lagging behind a little bit, but he's he's playing with different guys. He's playing with Hayes and Konechny. Sometimes he's on a line with Pitlick. It's just been that kind of year, and he's still pretty steady, right? And the power play is kind of wonky right now. But right now, your top guys are your top guys. Couturier is up there at the top 41. Konechny, 40 points. Right? He's been playing fantastic. He's your all-star this year. Jake Voracek, overtime winner. Uh, he's got 37 points. I swear, it seems like he has more than nine goals, but he's one of those guys where the effort has been there night in, night out. Giroux, same thing. 13 goals, 19 assists. I mean, he's playing well. 32 points in 47 games. That's pretty good. Kevin Hayes, uh, he's got 26 points. It's right where you would expect sort of that second, third line center. You don't know where he's going to be. He's been good. Him registering at a minus 14 seems ridiculous to me, but it is what it is. They put him out there for the tough minutes. So that's kind of just what you're going to see. How J- JVR having 25 points is inexplicable to me. I don't. I haven't seen them. Ivan Provorov, uh, yeah, he's got 25 points. He's having a fantastic year. Nine goals, 16 assists, 13 points in the power play, six power play goals. I mean, he's pushing towards a career year, right? His best season ever was that 17-18 campaign, right, with 41 points. He's two points away from matching last year's total of 26, and he's 46 games in, right? I don't know if he can get to 17 goals, but he can definitely get to 24 assists. Okay, I think he could probably score another two, three goals. He could get to double digits. But right now, he is, say, 16 points no, 17 points away from 41, from that from that high water mark. I think he can get there, and he should be able to get there. So that's sort of what I'm looking forward to for him. Now, what's disconcerting is after one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, right? The top seven right there. Next is Oscar Lindblom, who's got 18 points, and he hasn't played in the last 17 games, basically. Uh, Matt Niskanen is tied with him. Uh, he would be ninth. Sanheim is at 15. Uh, he's your top 10 guy. 
Myers is 14th. Uh, Bear is hovering at 12 points. He's still out right now. But, I mean, you've got Sandheim and Myers, both guys with more points than Gossespierre. Uh Raffle, right there at 12 points. You almost expect that from him. Plus, he was out. Lawton, you know, steady. Pitlick, steady. Justin Braun, uh, he's out, but he's returning. He's at 10 points. He's eyeing you up, Gossespierre. Watch out. Robert Haig has points in his last, like, three games. Uh, he's got seven, six assists. Uh, Nicholas Abe Kubel is just fun to watch. Uh, but really, after... We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. So they've got 16 guys in double figures, at least point-wise. Which is nice, but nobody's really stepping up and running away with the offense. They're not just good enough right they're not scoring enough it's not a consistent night in night out performance uh you know them getting five goals against the bruins is great them being able to put up three or four against the capital three against the capitals technically four against the blues you know three in regulation is nice they need to consistently be able to score three or four goals a game and right now that they can't and you can see that from their totals. You can see that from their output where they're sort of lagging behind the rest of the league. <laughs> Excuse me. I mean, 15 goals leads the team. I would bet that that is in the bottom third of teams in terms of you know where the top scorer of each one ranks. If the Flyers were like 25th overall in scoring, I would not be surprised at all. But... They're in a playoff spot right now. They're battling, and it's been exciting to watch them so far. So, you know, it is what it is when it comes uh, to that. Now, coming through uh, the play here, uh, big boxing month, right? So, I just went down to AC, so I'm going to do a quick recap of that. I was down there for the Jesse Hart fight, right? He was favored over uh, Joe Smith Jr. He was fighting light heavyweight bout. It was supposed to be for Bernard Harkin's honor, right? Because Jesse was upset that Smith had beat Bernard and knocked him through the ropes. Thinks, you know, it shouldn't have been... Anything that happened. Which, in all fairness, yeah, it was probably a bad matchup for Bernard to take. But what are you going to tell Bernard Hopkins not to do, right? So, uh, Jesse Hart goes in, and the guy fights bravely, right? He had a hand injury. It was clearly affecting him. He was not throwing his right hand at all. He was basically trying to jab and hook, left hook his way to victory. And Joe Smith Jr., uh, like has a tree trimming service. He's where construction is a natural light heavyweight. Okay, Hart's just coming up to that weight class. Joe Smith Jr. lives in that weight class, and he bully boxed him. He came to the inside. He didn't care about eating a jab or two or a hook. He came in. He winged his shots, and he fought at a frenetic pace. I mean, he kept the pressure up 
for 10 straight rounds, right? NABO, a light heavyweight title winner, is going to start to move back up the pecking order for a title shot, probably against a guy like Dimitri Bivol. Uh, we don't know, right? But Joe Smith Jr. had his opportunity, and he took it, right? There was a big New York contingent that came down. They were probably a little more vocal than the Philly people, which disappointed me. Uh, you know, they're in a professional capacity. I couldn't, uh, you know, really get into it. And I, w- I was actually sitting next to these British guy, uh, this British guy, Chris Glover. Uh, awesome meeting you, mate. It was uh, really fun hanging out, talking to you. I'll see you soon. Uh, I'm sure I'll be running into you with these again and again. Uh, you know, he was there. He was telling me all the people who came down for Joe Smith Jr. and then all. Oh, all that Joe Smith had been doing, how popular it was, how good he was. And he's right. I mean, this kid really has a lot of talent and a lot of heart, most importantly. He's got way more heart than talent, I would say that. But he's so strong. And as long as he keeps refining his game, he's he's a guy to watch. He's to be feared, right? Knocked Jesse Hart down in the seventh. I mean, I, I don't think. I can't remember the last time I saw Jesse Hart go down. Even though he was down for a second, it was like a flash, knee, back up in the corner. Tried to play it off, couldn't. Opened up the cut. Doctors had to be cognizant of that. It was it was a really good show. Uh, another great Russell Peltz matchmaking effort. Also, Brad Goodman, good on him. They made some fun fights. Uh, Steve Nelson, Cam Killick. Uh, that was... You know, interesting watch. A du- uh, NABO super middleweight title on the line for that, so another minor title. Uh, Nelson is a guy that works with Bud Crawford a lot. So Bud Crawford was out there. That one got stopped in the eighth round. Nelson was just sort of f- hitting Killick over and over and over. And with enough power, it started to show the damage. And you see it. Bud McGurk just did not feel comfortable with that fight going on. That was a good stoppage by him. There was a big shock. It was probably Joseph Adorno tying Hector Garcia, split draw, 76-76, 77-75, 75-77, right? And that was really acceptable, okay? This was a lightweight bout. Adorno let himself get sucked into trading shots with Garcia, who it was clear he was never going to knock out Garcia. Garcia has probably eaten so many bricks fighting in Tijuana for most of his life. Nothing Adorno threw at him was going to get him. And Adorno would hit him. Garcia would nod. He would sort of smile back at him, invite him in, invite him to the inside. And he put his hands up. And they would, you know, bump heads a little. And then Garcia would give him the body work. And that really slowed Adorno down and made him a lot less maneuverable. But, you know, he's still a young fighter, right? He was highly ranked on ESPN's prospect charts, 13th for 2019. He's going to grow. He's going to learn. This is part of that process. Getting sucked into a draw by a guy you should have beat handily is part of that process. So it's not a loss. It's a learn. So we're happy about that, right? If you're not winning, you're learning. Adorno was definitely learning there. Uh, Chris Thomas, Samir Dos Santos lasted 47 seconds. Sparkle Lee jumping in before Toms could do some serious damage. He was just going to rain down shots. NJ middleweight champ. Uh, had a fun showing out there. Uh, Sonny Kanto, again, against Curtis Head. Guy that had no business being in there with him. Uh, Head looked like he just came from the buffet. When Kanto hit him with a body shot, it looked like he was legitimately about to throw up. Uh, 
three knockdowns in round one. Uh, you know, one I think had just put himself on a knee. It was almost embarrassing. It was disrespectful, practically. I, I want Kanto to fight somebody real. After Tyson, maybe he'll get on the Tyson Fury undercard. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, he's been working with these elite heavyweights. They talk so much about you know, how he's one of the best prospects in boxing, or at least he's you know going to be a guy in the heavyweight division. I'm, we're going to need to start seeing it against real competition, right? Uh, Jeremy Adorno, the little brother, right? Magic hands. Uh, he got a quick knockdown against Fernando Ibarra, right? And that sort of flew his confidence through the roof. Right, he was looking so nervous. A super bantamweight fight. This one, once he got going, once he got that knockdown, oh, that was fun. He he started feeling it. Kid's got a lot of talent. He's not talked about in the same vein as his older brother Joseph, but I think he could be. Right, he's got that flash power. Uh, you know, he doesn't seem to have big, big knockout power, but he's got knockdown power. He's got timing. He's got accuracy. You you can develop those things. As I mean, the kid is like 19 years old, 20 years old. So much time to grow. So much time to learn. I think he keep an eye on him as much as you can, as much as you keep an eye on his brother. Uh, another fun one, Xander Zayas. The kid is in high school. He's 17 year old high school senior, right? And he boxed this guy, a Corey Champion, around the ring. Champion, to his credit was able to hold tough, moved well enough to show Zayas some angles that, you know, maybe a really good fighter would have uh, put him in trouble, but enough for Zayas to learn. Uh, you know, he's top ranks youngest prospect, and at 17 years old, he has plenty of time to grow. Uh, he's going to be an exciting guy to watch. It, it was cool getting to see him at this early stage. And another undercard fight I want to talk about, Shenard Bunch, right? So he knocked out Dennis Okuth with 20 seconds left in the sixth round. Now, Bunch didn't look right the whole time. He looked extremely exhausted. He was tired from the moment the bell rang. Uh, Okuth I was worried about because he walked out the Buffalo Soldier. And if you're going to get to a boxing ring, that is far more relaxed than I'm comfortable uh, you being, right? Uh so, as it turns out, Bunch had been sick. Probably ate too much during the day. And just, he didn't have it today for whatever reason. Was sick, was nervous. Uh, big fight, you know, got promotion, got stories written about him probably for the first time in his life. And here comes this guy, Dennis O'Kuth, who doesn't seem to be afraid of him, right? Uh, boxed decently enough through the first couple of rounds. Kept trying to go at him. It didn't stop coming. So Bunch, by the sixth round, I mean, both these guys were exhausted. But he's still throw, he's throwing with power. He's timing his shots better. He's giving it everything he has. And Okuth just sort of turns away with 20 seconds left after taking a couple shots. Spits his mouthpiece out and then leans over and he's talking to his corner. Everyone is confused. And, you know, when you look at it, and then they're waving the fights over. Bunch drops down. Uh, you know, he looks like he's overcome. He was overcome with emotions. I mean, it took so much for him just to get through those six rounds. 
and getting that TKO. He probably thought he was losing. It meant the world to that kid. Uh, but Okuth, we later found out, was taken to the hospital with broken, possible broken ribs and a suspicion of a broken jaw. So Shenard Bunch, his mama named him Showtime, right? That's his legal middle name. Showtime, little Shenard Showtime Bunch. If he can do that sick with all that pressure, with the lights overwhelming, I think he bought a car too. I saw on Instagram, he was standing next to a Lambo. I think he may have bought a car and then freaked out because he thought, oh shit, how am I going to pay for this, right? He had all that on him and he was able to damage a guy like that. Don't count this kid out. Watch for him. He's Trenton's best prospect in years. Okay, I'm going to be following his career really, really closely. I think it could be something really interesting. I've seen upwards of like 75 fights now live. And there's just something special about Bunch. Kanto has it a little bit too, I think. And Shakur Stevenson, definitely. But this Bunch guy, he's got the stuff. He's event at one point I think he'll fight for a title. You heard it here first. And I, I don't want to get too caught up in everything. Like I know how boxing works. I just I have a feeling about this kid. He he got it all of his system. He's fighting next weekend. Right? He just went six rounds. Uh, arguably a tough fight. He's going to be back on the 25th, fighting in Trenton. How, I, how can you not like that? How can you not respect that? Uh, yeah. I, I just got one last note on this fight weekend. Now, Joe Smith Jr., I talked about that. I beat up Jesse Hart, basically, right? Almost put him out. Technically, is a split decision. Right, because James Kinney scored the fight 95-94 for Jesse Hart. When Joseph Pasquale and Henry Eugene Grant both had they had it 92-97 for Smith at 91-98 for Smith. Now I myself, I was able to give Hart maybe two or three rounds, right? He looked good in some and some just Smith was too tired to keep up with his offense. And Hart was able to land some decent shots. But he won no more than two rounds, if that. For someone to see that as a split decision, it, I mean, it's just downright... It, it, I, look, I don't... Boxing, say what you will about it. It might be crooked business. Maybe people are just that stupid. It was bad. It was as bad a ranking as I've seen. It was right up there with Adelaide Bird. Uh, 119-110, you know, for Canelo. It was as on par, decision-wise. Everything else went really well. It was a good night, good judging, good officiating. And I just want to say personally, this like this is my plea for Atlantic City. It's still a viable venue, right? Parking was cheap. It was 10 bucks at the Hard Rock. There was plenty to eat, plenty to do afterwards, beforehand. Uh, easy f to figure out parking-wise. And the casino was epic. Had, had I been able to, I would have loved to have spent 
more time there. I would have loved a chance to sort of do more, maybe get there early, make a weekend of it, the whole thing. Make Atlantic City a viable boxing venue again. Make it, you know, a destination where people want to have big fights, right? I think this was part of it. Didn't get great TV ratings, even though they were good TV fights. But I think this could be the beginning. It was like a 3,500-seat venue. They had as many people there as they could. Security was great. I'm sure there were all their problems behind the scenes, but it was a nice event. And I hope you know, things stay that way. Now, shifting gears, we got active title fights in Philly this weekend. Oh boy, I'm going. Leah Kors Center, Saturday afternoon, all the way through there. I mean, it's going to be on Panama TV. It's going to be on Fox. Uh, we got Marshall Kaufman promoting. We got Samson Boxing. We got TGB Promotions. Tom Brown, he's doing the matchmaking. And we got Julian J. Rock Williams, the champ. The Unified World Boxing Association, International Boxing Federation, and International Boxing Organization, WBA, WB, uh, WBA, IBF, and the IBO Champion of the World for Super Welterweights. Fencing off against Jensen Rosario. Uh, he's a tough, tough Dominican guy. Loves fighting on the road. Relishes going into somebody's hometown and taking that victory from them, taking their pride. And now he's trying to take belts from Julian Williams, who's in his first title defense since stunning the world and beating the living snot out of Jared Hurd. Also, they got Chris Colbert, 13-0 super featherweight, rising prospect, could be the next superstar version off against Jezreel Corrales. WBA interim super featherweight title, Corrales, a cagey veteran, of 26 fights, 23 and 3. This could be his only shot at a belt. So we will see if he rises to take it. And super interesting local matchup Paul Kroll, 6 and 0, super welterweight against Marcel River, 7 and 2. Marcel is a guy who's desperately in need of a win. He was starting to get some buzz as a guy in the city, but now he's coming off of two straight losses. Uh, surprise knockout loss to Ivici Dixon. Who was, and I'm reading this correctly. Well, he was actually, he was seven, like 23 and uh, two, right? Uh, when he had that fight. Uh, but, you know, actually now he's up to 924. And uh, two had another knockout, right? To his credit, but then also uh, recently a uh, KO loss up there in Reading. Uh, give give that give Avicii Dixon credit. He's still going for the prize fighter. Still active, uh, despite having a super salty record, right? But Paul Kroll is a monster, right? Former Olympic team member. Only guy so far. To beat Shenard Bunch in the ring. He's got five KOs. Bunch, by the way, only guy he wasn't able to put out. Uh, you know, uh, TKO, round one. TKO, round two. TKO, round one. KO, round one. TKO, round four. Uh, 
Paul Kroll just keeps doing it. He's 24 years old, the Punisher, super welterweight, 5'9", Philly, PA. He's going to be fighting in front of his home crowd again. There could be some fireworks in that one, folks. Marcel's chin has been checked twice now and hasn't done well. We got a whole mess of really good fighters, right? Uh, you know, Kroll undefeated, Colbert undefeated, Williams I mean, unified champion, right? Plus, Joey Spencer's 9-0. Vito Milanecki Jr., he's another one of those young guns. Uh, he is 3-0. and And he's super powerful as a welterweight. Uh, Romeo Cruz, right? He's 3-0-1, still undefeated. Miguel Roman is going to be stepping in the ring for the first time. You know uh, people want to see him. Norman Neely, 4-0. I mean, they're putting him in against the guy who has uh, 27 fights in Larry Knight. He's got an Avicii Dixon type record. Don't want to say it out loud right now, but you know, this could this is going to be a really fun card. Plus, super welterweight contest: Jorge Cota, 29-4, against Thomas Lamana, 28-2-1. Cornflake getting back in the ring, back in Philly. Should be a really fun fight. If you're a type of person who just likes to watch fun fights, doesn't care where these guys are going afterwards, just watch it. Okay, this is going to be a fun card. There's 11 fights in total. One of them is going to sort of get your blood going, right? Williams, uh, minus 250. Uh, no, minus uh, 2,500. I think he's going to win. UD, most likely. Uh, you know, Rosario, if you want to bet on him to lose, but make it out of the fight, I think that's going to be where you're going to make your money. But this is going to be Julian Williams' card to take. I think Colbert's going to win. Uh, I like Ricky Lopez. Uh, I like Thomas LaManna. Uh, give me Kyron Davis. Right, I think he's going to take it over Antonio Todd. Give me Paul Kroll. Give me Joey Spencer. Give me Vito Malinaki Jr. Romeo Cruz. Miguel Roman. And Norman Neely. Book it. Take all those names to the bank. Take it to Barks Casino. Take it to Rivers. Wherever you want to go. Just take it. Submit it. Sugar House. Bang. Boom. Bucks. I'm telling you guys. Those are my locks. Uh, so yeah. Going to be a really great fight night. Get down to Leah Corps Center. Get tickets if you haven't all ready. Okay. Another thing I want to talk about is the Philadelphia Wings. Went down this weekend for the home opener. They blew the Vancouver uh, team, uh, Vancouver Warriors, out of the building, 18 and 10. The big cat, Kevin Crawley, got his 300th. NLL point on a beautiful goal. He reached behind the back, around his head. One-handed catch. Yes, I was far away from the mic because I was reenacting it. Uh, he looked fantastic. Matt Rambo is out there dishing out assists. Uh, he's one of the most highly touted prospects ever to come out of college lacrosse. And in outdoor, he's he's incredible, right? He's one of the best outdoor players there is. Still adjusting to the indoor game, but the talent is there. And some of the passes that he makes is mind-boggling, right? Uh, Brett Hickey, right? He's a goal scorer, right? He's Trevor Baptiste is in such better shape than last year. He's going coast to coast, 
and butter in the toast, right? Off of face-off wins. He's a threat to score if he wants to. He's bowling ball type, dude. 5'10", like 220. If he wants the ball, he's going to get it. If he wants to go through you, he's going to do that. And they've got a heck of a goalie this season, right? This guy, Zach Higgins, 160 saves so far. Uh, And watch out for them, right? Because they are all of a sudden now just a half game. Out of first place in the division, they've got New England and Rochester this week. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a big one, right? Especially now, MLL is coming to town too, so we're gonna have NLL and MLL lacrosse. Get in on the sport. It's you know, we can fill up the lower bowl basically already at the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, it's entertaining. The, the PA guy is great. They got wings dancers. They got kids lacrosse. They've got Winston, who's basically another fanatic, ready type of guy. They got great lights. They got great music. Uh, cheap food, cheap beer. It's a fun time. It's for everyone, really. There's access to the players. Uh, the crowd is interactive. It's a really fun time. If you haven't checked it out, do it. Or watch it on NBCSN, watch it on Bleacher Report. You will see, okay, it is worth going to. It is uh, definitely worth the trip uh, if you choose to make it. Parking, still $22. I can't help you there, okay? Moving on to the 76ers. With Embiid out, they're, uh, they're a difficult team, right? I uh, I miss them. Or, well, I don't miss them. I just... They can be tough to watch at times. But they're surviving right now. Which is, I guess, really the goal. Okay, Embiid's going to come back. He's going to be healthy. Uh, ben is sort of still coming into his own as a player. And I think he needs to do that sort of sans Embiid right now. He needs to be in control. Uh, Tobias Harris just dropped 30 points. Uh, they beat the Celtics. They beat the Nets. They're struggling against some good teams, and they're terrible on the road. But it is what it is. They're going to be okay. Now, there's been trade talk, bringing back Rocco, bringing back Iggy, getting Ben out of here for uh, D'Angelo Lewis. I, I don't know. Right? It doesn't matter. They're not going to do that. They're going to make minor trades, if anything. But this is the team that they're going to roll with this year. This is just the way that it's going to go. This is the way Elton Brand constructed it. This is the way, apparently, he and Brett Brown want it. There's not going to be major changes. So just strap in and get ready. I don't know if you guys read the Players' Tribune article with Joel Embiid. But you know, he said he wants to win a fucking championship, Right? Plain and simple. He's done playing. He knows his goal. He knows what he wants. And that's great. I mean, has there ever been a guy so vocal about winning as Joel in recent memory? I'm not sure that there has. So I'm just, I'm really glad that he's stepping up in kind of a leadership role to be vocal about winning and doing whatever it takes. Uh, I think that's going to be very good for them. I have nothing to say about the Phillies because they are doing nothing. 
Um, I will say about the recent baseball cheating scandals is that everyone cheats. As House would say, everybody lies. Okay, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. The Astros got ratted on, and the Red Sox got caught, also got ratted on. But every team is doing this. So before you talk about how your favorite team or how your Dodgers should be called the 2017 World Series champs, don't. Just back off. They're all cheating. Everybody wants to win. Everybody's stealing signs. They've been stealing signs since the days where they had somebody in the grandstand with a walkie-talkie, okay, who was giving out smoke signals. He was blowing two puffs for a fastball, one puff for a curveball. And if he was doing it to the left or right, then pitch was going to be inside or outside. Yeah, I understand you had to fire the managers also. Well, I got Carlos Beltran. You're next. The Mets are going to make a move on you because they are the Mets. All I'm saying is everybody cheats. Also, Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. But Harold Carmichael is now, so woohoo! Uh, I wrote a piece about that on Yellow Jacket Media. If you haven't seen that one, check it out. Check out my recap of the Hart Smith fight card there as well. A little more detail in there. Philly Wings, articles about them up there as well. Flyers, always handling that. But now I've rambled on for what seemed like 40 really quick minutes. I've got one more thing to talk about, right? And I think we all know what that is. That's right. It is beer time. So I've got one today for you. I wanted to start 2020 off with a nice collaboration and a wintry beer. So, in the hopes of having a little bit wider January and some possible snow uh, coming around, I went with Ties the Room Together, a white cream stout from Cape May in collaboration with Left Hand Brewing Company. Both people I've talked about on the pod before, two breweries I want to celebrate once again for making an awesome product. So, uh, you can crackers out there who've been waiting patiently. One, two, three. That was a pretty good one. Nice pop there on the uh, old soundscape. This one, since it is uh, something that ties the room together, definitely has to go into the Hooters glass. Now, I've never had a white cream stout before, uh, but I can tell you... Yeah, it, uh, it looks white, <laughs> which is, again, unnerving when you're expecting stout, uh, but you get that nice head on it. You definitely get that smell when it says it promises a taste that has coffee beans, cacao nibs, lactose, and vanilla. I'm getting that lactosiness kind of early, and I gotta tell you, I, I mean, I, I like beers like this. I like something a little bit out of the ordinary, off the beaten path, maybe a tad bit unusual, uh, you know, because that's kind of like me. But, you know, I think these things are interesting. I think they deserve to be drank, tried. I know this one is pretty tried and true uh, for them. 
Uh, now this one, it gets pretty good ratings on untapped. Lots of check-ins, 8.3.86 on the uh, untapped scale, 8.5% and 18 IBUs. So it's not going to be bitter, but it will pack a little bit of a punch. And it definitely has that sort of creaminess to it, that lactose is evident. There's coffee that comes off. Not really. Maybe it's just combined with the cacao nibs because I almost I get sort of a white mocha type vibe when I do drink it. Uh, lactose obviously is there in the vanilla. So maybe that it all sort of combines to a white mocha. Um, it's light. In the sense that it doesn't feel as heavy. Maybe that's just your eyes playing tricks on you. But because of the color. Yes, once again, I always say you eat with your eyes. And I'm eating this one up. Like I just want to take the rest of this glass uh, into my body. Because it's good. It, it tastes nice. It's a stout so it, can kind of, it hits you a little bit stiffer. There might be a hint, a very small hint, you know, like a nudge nudge, but without the wink wink of booziness. Um, but yeah, you know, you also, with any stout, any darker beer, or anything in the stout porter style category, you have to let it warm up a little bit. Uh, you have to let it breathe so that uh, it comes in, right? So that the, uh, the, the flavors are sort of allowed to come alive. Uh, so I'm kind of holding on to it a little bit to try to coax that out. Uh, But I think this is a uh, is very good. I can see why it's ranked where it is, because uh, it's not maybe as chocolatey as you would want if that's your bag. When it comes to a stout, uh, but. I think it's one that I'm going to enjoy drinking the rest of. Uh, I'm going to go out on my limb and give it a four. Uh, I think uh, it's certainly worth it. There's no reason why everybody can't enjoy this. Pick it up in stores while it lasts. I may have gotten some of the last bits to it. But it's nice to have around the holidays. You can trick people because uh, it all—it looks like an IPA practically. Uh, so that's always fun. Uh, definitely enjoy it. And that's going to be all for me for this week. Remember, check out my writing at Yellow Jacket Media. Check me out on Medium. I drop stuff there occasionally. Check out the podcast. Like, share, subscribe, rate, review. It really does help. Um, get at me on Twitter, mmaritea22, or on Instagram, mmaritea22. 
I mean, a- any way you can interact, uh, help me with the future of the pod. Always happy to do so. Um, yeah, so that's going to be it for me. Thank you all for coming, listening, uh, enduring the last 48 minutes from me. Uh, have a good one and enjoy. Cheers. <laughs>